Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Cast episode 654, The Side Effects of Clean Energy. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today. I've been a space and astronomy journalist for over 20 years, and with me is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I am doing well. My my doctors have finally figured out how to treat my pinched nerve. Life yep. is good. Ask me anything. I will probably answer it overly honestly. But this is the drug talking. The show talking. will go on. Yes. Yeah. So the show the, will go on. And so the question was asked by someone on your team was, where are you hiding the aliens? You know, I personally am not hiding aliens. I don't know anyone else who is hiding aliens. But I, too, would like to know if the aliens have got here... Where are they Where hiding? Where are they being hidden? Hmm. Yeah. I don't think right. that. Well, that was our chance. Uh, conspiracy <laughs> debunked. <laughs> to battle climate change, we'll need to rapidly move to carbon-free sources of energy. But this technology isn't a free lunch. They require metals, generate waste, and deplete the environment. What's the best way to balance this shift? <sighs> All right, Pamela, we're talking about last week... We talked about the variables that go into climate change. I think, I hope everyone is either was either convinced by your, not necessarily argument, that it's complicated. And yeah. today we're going to talk about the solutions, which are complicated. Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. So let's, I mean, <sighs> if we don't shift to a carbon-free future then temperatures will continue to rise and continue to rise as long as we want to keep changing the environment until we're incapable of changing the environment anymore because we're all dead. So, so at some point we've got to make the shift, but if we make the shift sooner, we could cause even potentially more impact than if we, do it more slowly, but more sustainably. It's, it's a weird paradox. It's complicated is going to be the theme of these episodes. It's complicated. And, and part of the problem is every mechanism we have for creating the energy that we use, for the lighting that is making me not look terrible, for the cameras and the computers and 
everything else that allows our modern standard of living, that any mechanism for creating that energy is going to have some sort of an impact on the world. And we're only able to predict what will happen based on the variables we know. And one of the things that keeps happening is we realize there are unintended consequences for so many of the things that we do. And well, a, a good example is I live a 100% renewable energy lifestyle. Yes. No part of my energy comes from fossil fuels. It is 100% renewable energy. Water. Yeah. Damned. And in order to create the dam that I use to get my power, they flooded a river valley yeah. and built a dam and deeply changed the local environment. You can, you can swim in the lake behind the dam and you see old tree trunks down at the bottom of the lake. It's a very weird thing to swim around in that. And, and we see that with on a much larger scale, what happened with the Three Gorges Dam. There were yes. entire villages that were flooded. Archaeological that, sites. Yeah, yeah, that are lost. And so you, you, even what is arguably the cleanest form of energy still has an impact on the environment. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult to sort out. And, and with dams, you have all sorts of, of weird, we have now completely changed the environment issues. And salmon is one of the big issues that we've had to figure out as human beings because uh, in the area of the country you live in, um, all up and down the Northwest Corridor, salmon spend a whole lot of time out in the ocean, but then they come back and swim up river to their spawning areas. And if there's a dam along the way, they're like, not going to spawn here. Yeah. So we have yeah. to figure out how to get the salmon past the dams so they can go to their, their spawning areas. And this has meant building what are called salmon ladders, which are essentially staircases with water that... I have them all around me. Yeah. And, and have you seen the salmon cannons? Yes. Yeah. 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 I have, we don't have salmon cannons here, but we definitely have salmon ladders. And it's actually pretty cool. Like you, you have this ladder that goes around the side of the dam and you can go out and watch the salmon and they jump yeah. high. Like they'll jump yeah. th three feet, four feet out of the water into the air and then land back down in the water. And you can actually just watch them jumping up past it. I, I know this is a total, uh, diversion here, but we have a, um, we have a, a salmon hatchery that is really close to where I live uh -huh. and you can go in there. It's kind of like an aquarium. So they have these big glass windows. You go in and you can watch the salmon as they're moving through the facility That's on their cool. way up the, up the river. And so some percentage of them, they, they harvest the eggs and, and artificially create more salmon, but partly they let a bunch of them through and you can watch them just swimming past and continuing their way up the river. And we swim in the rivers here, when it's salmon spawning season and it's, it's like you're, it, I mean, you are, you're swimming in a school of fish, these salmon waiting at the bottom <laughs> of the, of a series of rapids for they can regain their energy. And you're surrounded by a thousand salmon while you're swimming in the water. You put on your, your snorkel and mask and swim around all these salmon. It's a, it's kind of an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's weird. I never think about it, right? Like it's just my life is the stink, the, the autumn stink of dead salmon everywhere. 
is 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 my is the ambient. That's what October smells like is dying salmon. The other thing, the salmon are also this. This is a trickle down effect. We have to get the salmon where the salmon are going because the bears need the salmon. And there are amazing video cameras up in Alaska of of bears just awkwardly eating salmon because bears are awkward athletes. Yeah. And so there's the the entire all the critters that eat the salmon, and so in order for us to get electricity. We have to figure out how not to starve the bears. Right, right. <laughs> um, well, and even like to, I mean, I clearly, you know, as a as a West Coast Canadian, I know way too much yeah. about this. But, but they, if they increase the flow for hydroelectricity out of the dam, it washes out the salmon spawning yeah. sites, and so they always have to have this balance where they are letting the water out, but they can't let the water out too fast. And so when there's a flood, they will not let the water out too fast. And instead, we get flooding downstream because yeah. they don't want to wreck the salmon habitats and let the water yeah. out. So there's, it's this management. It's this constant management as we're dealing with. So anyway. And the flooding's upstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, so they balance the flooding across the entire river to minimize the impact on the salmon stream, on the, on the spawning beds. It's a, it's a whole balance. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so this is one example, right? And this is, I would say, probably the cleanest form of energy that's out there. And yet it has all kinds of consequences for that you have to, to consider. Down to changing the rotation rate of our planet. Right. What? Dams the, change? The, yeah, I guess so. so. The, the Three Gorges Dam actually changed the... Uh, moment of inertia for our planet by causing a massive pileup of water behind the dam. Mm. And by changing the planet's moment of inertia, it changed its rotation rate. <laughs> and there are a whole lot of students very glad I'm no longer teaching physics because that would be a homework problem. <laughs> Calculate the moment of inertia. That's awesome. All right. So let's talk about some of, we've talked about, about hydroelectric dams, but let's talk about some of the other clean energy possibilities and what their side effects are. So, so the one that I think that I literally see the most is wind farms. One yeah. of the most amazing things I've seen is flying from London to Amsterdam. That part of the North Sea is filled with, with wind turbines out in the ocean. They also have them off the coast of Cape Cod. Uh, driving uh, east out of Denver, you hit just like vast swaths of nothing except the occasional rest stop and wind farms as far as the eye can see. And this is a growing way of producing electricity all across the globe. Uh, wind's one of those constants that kind of all of us get a little bit of. And, I mean, what are the side effects of producing your energy with the wind? So so here, it's not just the producing it with the wind that we run into. It's the mechanism of producing it with the wind that we run into. So it turns out that the materials that they make wind turbines out of aren't entirely recyclable. And there's a lot of trouble with, okay, so this wind turbine bit the dust. We need to replace the entire structure. The thing got damaged in a windstorm, got damaged by lightning, got damaged by whatever. And... 
we don't have a good way of dealing with this waste product. Hmm. And these things are huge. <laughs> now, yeah. this is at least a problem that hopefully will eventually be solvable. It's something that requires creativity and a mechanism to figure out how to ship the turbines in a cost-effective manner. That really is proving to be one of the difficulties of you have this massive piece of trash and inevitably you're not going to need nearly as many recycling places in this country as there are places with wind turbines in this country. So a lot of them are just going to end up in the nearest dump. And that is actually a problem that isn't really getting talked about. And you see, I mean, when you buy an iPhone today, the thing is almost entirely recyclable. Yeah. Apple put a lot of energy into getting their phones to be recyclable to some extent. And so, I'm, you know, they're just big electronic devices, but also with steel and carbon fiber and things like that. Yeah. And you can imagine we'll get to a point where these things are cradle to grave recycled as they as they break. And they might be maybe less efficient in their energy production, but they're more energy efficient over the long term by being able to reuse the components as they as they break down. It's a it is definitely right. a challenge. Now what about the amount of wind? Like as you put more and more wind farms out there, are you actually starting to change weather patterns? Yeah. There's some really interesting uh Really interesting research papers on this, looking at if you reduce the wind, you reduce the planet's ability to redistribute heat, and how does that overall affect the climate? And it's looking like right now, with the best models they have, this has the potential to increase the planet's temperature by 0.28 degrees. So the question becomes, is that increase from wind greater than the increase that would come from burning fossil fuels, from all the other mechanisms that we're currently using. It's it's hard to balance out, and there's there needs to be discussion. And, and wind turbines themselves aren't entirely innocent in how they treat the environment. There have been a lot of problems with... You, it's hard to tell how fast something that big is turning. It looks slow, and it's not. And birds are called mm-hmm. bird-brained for a reason. And yeah. they will try and fly through these turning turbines, and it's not good. Yeah, and there's been a lot of bird kills. Like, they're killing millions of birds. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and um, and I'm like, and again, I mean, hopefully, there's some kind of solution in terms of sound or in some kind of sight or maybe magnetic magnetism that will shift them away or smells. Who know what it is? But there's got to be some solution to that. What what they're saying to a certain degree is birds that have certain migratory paths are surviving better than ones that don't, and so we just need to figure out how to grow the birds on the healthier migration paths. Right, right. Let's talk about solar. All right, solar solar is fun. So so with solar there there's so many different forms of solar. Out I I clearly am going to describe a lot of things based on how you see them from airplanes. Uh, if you're flying into LA on just the right flight, you will go over a uh, solar I'm trying to figure out it's it's they're heating up sodium. Right, it's a solar by, concentration plant. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and so they have these rings of mirrors that are all shining their light up into this collector. And the heat from this is heating up sodium and this is generating electricity. So there's that form of solar that we don't talk about because it's still experimental, but it's super cool looking. Um, it looks like a flower of mirrors from mm-hmm. overhead. So you get pretty energy this way. Um, but the most common way that we're seeing solar electricity is your good old-fashioned generic solar panel. There are companies that are currently working on technology to make windows that can be seen through from one side but not the other that at a low level are capable of collecting solar energy. There are companies uh, working on creating uh, tiles for roofs. So instead of having a slate roof, you now have a solar paneled roof. I love this idea. The technology is not quite there, but the next time we re-roof our house, I suspect we're going to do it with solar tiles. Now, the side effects, like you're dealing with, obviously, the amount of, I mean, they're electronics. They're, the, they're, yeah. they're e-waste in the same way yes. that you are throwing away your computer. You're throwing away all of that e-waste when you get rid of your phone, you're getting, you know, and they're, they've got heavy metals in them. They've got all, you know, they are essentially electronics. And they also change the albedo of the planet. Well, and that's what I was going to ask is they, do they, yeah, do they actually change? Because I guess having regions that are dark and absorbing sunlight will change the heat absorb, absorptivity, absorptivity, absorption. (laughs) Of the, of the planet. So, so I'm just going to go with albedo. Um, yeah. So, so but I it's use not, a science it's, term. It's, 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 but it's not quite the right word. So normally, um, you look at a highway, you have this nice black asphalt. The nice black asphalt absorbs all of this heat, and then it re-radiates it as, as thermal energy, adding to the greenhouse effect. You put solar panels along the center of the highway and put bike trails under it where they are nicely shaded and protected from the cars. Please do more of this. This is happening in Korea. Um, These black solar panels, however, are absorbing all of this heat and going, ha ha, I shall create energy instead of re-radiating it as infrared. And, And I love the fact that you have this black thing that instead of re-radiating and adding to mm. the, the energy crisis is generating electricity. So a lot of folks are trying to figure out, and solar panels are still so fragile, and this is the problem with them. They're trying to figure out how to create solar walkways, solar roads, and there's been some really interesting trials in Scandinavia where they have actually created roads that like light up different things to tell you mm. the weather conditions. I'm gonna and call so, I'm gonna call bogus on that. Those that tech is it doesn't not work yet. Doesn't work. It is not even it ever. Is, it is an it experiment. Is, it is I wouldn't it, even go so far as to call it an, an experiment. It is pretty pretty half-baked at this point like there's nothing better than just a great big solar panel that is gathering the the heat those those, okay. those I, I know what you're talking about and i want uh, smart roads i want yeah smart well, roads. hey we all do who, who <laughs> wouldn't love smart roads the technology that i'm super into is perovskite yeah. 
So I don't know if you've ever heard of the term. Perovskite is another. I have. Yeah, it's another kind of solar film technology. It is a fraction of the price, way cheaper. Um, you can paint it. You can just take any surface you want and just paint perovskite onto that surface, and it will turn into a big solar panel. The downside of it is that it is highly reactive with the oxygen in the atmosphere, yeah, and it ruins I was it. Say it works great in space. It works great in space. Well, they're still <laughs> testing this out. They they think it work, yeah. it's going to work great in space. That you could paint the the moon and have a giant solar panel, or you could paint right. your space station or whatever. But but in the atmosphere, you've got to protect it from the from the atmosphere, or it's ruined almost instantaneously. But people are yeah. figuring out ways to to do that. But but then you can imagine it's going to have chemical. It's going to produce chemicals into the atmosphere. Maybe it's going to make microplastics. Who knows? But yeah. I'm I'm really excited by having a kind of technology that you can just easily paint onto anything, your car, your road. It may be less effect, less efficient than the really fancy glass panels, but you will, you'll just cover more stuff with this perovskite uh, solar panels. And so I feel like we're just this side of a revolution as well. Um, all right, let's talk about the two other renewable technologies that I want to talk about. The first is the one is geothermal. Yes. Geothermal is super cool, and there's been some really weird experiments in Iceland where they have done uh, very careful, basically, tunneling down to essentially magma <laughs> to, to create systems where they can heat water this way and they cycle water. And, and some of the experiments have generated a whole lot of earthquakes, but Iceland's kind of used to that, so mm. move on. It's all good. Um, most of the experiments with geothermal are more along the lines of uh, anyone who's ever gone down into a mine has experienced that it gets colder, colder. Oh, my God, it's getting hotter, hotter, hotter. Hmm. And this is that transition from it getting colder because the sun hasn't heated up the soil. This is why basements and houses are often cool. To getting deep enough that you're starting to experience the added heat of our planet that comes from not just the heat of the core, but also from all of the radioactive decays that are taking place within our planet. And so it gets kind of warm, and there's been some really... <laughs> I'm going to understate it. Yeah, um, yeah, kind of. some really cool things done where, like, uh, I once visited a high school that was focused on training people for technical jobs that don't require university, and... This high school had a full geothermal set up powering the entire high school where they were essentially just cycling water down to great depths and then bringing it back up. Right. And that that heat was able to drive power. Now, Um, the other idea, I mean, you're talking about like the geothermal, like the geothermal power that's in Iceland where the water is relatively close to the surface. But this idea of deep rock geothermal that you can run your geothermal down to... 10 kilometers down you could run a geothermal plant anywhere taking advantage yes. of that heat that you that you mentioned but you only get to use that mine for a little while until you've extracted all of the heat from that area so are we going to cool down planet earth by using geothermal energy i i think it's a reversible kind of situation because the world that we're on is going to continue generating geothermal. 
So if we cool off a volume, the volume around it on all sides is still doing the whole generating heat, generating heat, generating heat thing at a constant rate-ish. And, and so if we cool off a specific volume because we're able to extract heat from it faster than it is producing heat or gaining heat from the volumes around it, once we stop extracting heat, it will over time warm back up. Understanding the thermodynamics of how quickly that's able to happen, how quickly we're able to return to an equilibrium once we stop extracting heat, this isn't a permanent solution. It, it's the kind of thing where in Iceland, perhaps you're going to remove energy that would otherwise go into an erupting volcano, and that's right. a good thing. Yeah. But outside of like Italy and Japan and Iceland and these hypervolcanic places, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, you're going to run into this, this what is your equilibrium time? Yeah how fast can the area return back to where it was before you started extracting the energy. All right, let's talk about one last type of clean energy, and that is nuclear. Oh. What are the side effects of... In the room. Yeah, what are the side effects of nuclear energy? Well, if your p- plant loses power because the area is getting bombed by Russia, uh, you run the risk of exploding and taking out a large section through your meltdown of Europe. Yeah. Um, not that that might not be something that could possibly happen right now in Ukraine. Um, so, so nuclear is one of those things where it is entirely safe if you do it right. And human beings are fallible. And so technology today makes it so that we can create really, really safe power plants, really safe nuclear power plants, as long as they're using state-of-the-art technology to control the safety systems. There is nuclear waste, depending on what it is. You can take waste from one kind of reactor and turn it into power in another kind of reactor. Breeder reactors are really good at doing this. You ultimately are always going to end up with some sort of a byproduct. And I keep hoping that we're going to find more interesting ways to use these byproducts because these byproducts are generating heat. Mm -hmm. They're just also generating like radioactive Radioactive particles particles, that could kill us. So so that's a problem I just, I want us to solve and we haven't yet. And I've been waiting for us to solve yeah. it since. We can't wait. I, like the point here, I think is like, we know we have to get off the carbon technologies. Yes. We have to shift to some combination of the technologies that we mentioned. Each one is going to be, yeah. is going to work in terms of our, you know, are they base load? Are they not base load? Are they, do they work in your situation? Obviously here, hydroelectric, we can just run right. all the hydroelectric we want and we wouldn't need a nuclear plant here on yeah. Vancouver Island while you in the middle of the U.S. might need a nuclear plant or some combination of solar or or whatever. We have to face the downsides of these technologies and adopt them anyway because the consequences of not adopting them are worse. Yes. And it it ultimately comes down to a balancing act. Nuclear power adds heat to the planet. Hydroelectric changes ecosystems in in massive ways. Um, Solar removes heat from the environment. I'm a fan. We have to figure out how to balance it all out. And 
the it's complicated comes in because we're still learning all of the variables involved. This yeah. is going to be a constant dance of trying to figure out things for the next generation. And that's how long we have as a generation. I mean, I find this stuff exciting. I personally yes. really enjoy solving problems. I love technology. I love using yes. technology to solve my problems. And I find the tracking this stuff and watching as it changes. You know, I love, I've mentioned this before, like, I love my electric car. Um, and like, even if my electric car polluted the environment more than a gas car, I would choose the electric car for its features. I've just got like an old used Nissan Leaf, but it's the greatest. And I yeah. think that for a lot of people, they're afraid of these new technologies. And yet once you start to implement them and use them in your life, you're like, this is the best. I never want to go back to a gas powered lawnmower, right? Like an electric, a battery powered right. lawnmower is the greatest. So we're running out of time. So I think we should wrap here. But, uh, but on that note, uh, compromise, uh, adapt, be aware of the downsides, minimize our impact on the environment and move forward. Thank you, Pamela. Yeah. Thank you, Fraser, and thank you to all of our patrons on patreon.com slash astronomycast. You allow the show to go on. I now have names to read for uh, a whole group of you. So this week, I'm going to read the names of Simon Patton, Kellyan and David Parker, Jeremy Kerwin, Stuart Mills, Rob Cuff. Thank you for putting Pronunciation Guide in. Harold Vardenhagen, Justin Proctor, Alex Cohen, Matthew Horstman, Rando, Philip Walker, Marco Iarasi, Daniel Lofsley, David Gates, Scott Cohen, Scott Bieber, Claudia Mastriani, Jim Schooler, Neil Bryce, Kenciana Penflanco. I like you. Please put in the pronunciation guide. Uh, Matthias Hayden, the lonely send person. Gregory Singleton, Jeff Wilson, Disastrina, Tim McMacken, William E. Krause, Cooper, Stephen Walter, Alex Rani, Omar Del Riviera, Benjamin Mueller, Alan Moan, Paul D. Disney, Iran er- Zegrev, Kenneth Ryan, Michael Regan. And if you want to know how to put a pronunciation guide in, change your last name to have your last name parenthesis pronounced as. And I will love you even more. Thank you all. You make this happen. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Astronomy Cast is a joint product of Universe Today and the Planetary Science Institute. Astronomy Cast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license. So love it, share it, and remix it. But please credit it to our hosts, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can get more information on today's show topic on our website, astronomycast.com. This episode was brought to you thanks to our generous patrons on Patreon. If you want to help keep this show going, please consider joining our community at patreon.com slash astronomycast. Not only do you help us pay our producers a fair wage, you will also get special access to content right in your inbox and invites to online events. We are so grateful to all of you who have joined our Patreon community already. Anyways, keep looking up. This has been Astronomy Cast. Your happily ever after is waiting for you in the Chrysler Pacifica and Pacifica plug-in hybrid. With available all-wheel drive, Pacifica helps handle adverse conditions like magic. 
And with a plug-in hybrid, it can help your range anxiety disappear. Make your drive even more enchanted in the Chrysler Pacifica. And watch Disney's Disenchanted, now streaming only on Disney Plus, rated PG. Disney Plus subscription required. Must be 18 plus to subscribe. EPA estimated 520 mile total range with a fully charged battery. Actual mileage may vary.